When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Inside Purple and Gold. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I am Dane Mizutani alongside Tom Schreier. I'm sitting at a hotel room in Dallas, um, 12 hours away. It's Wednesday morning, 12 hours away from puck drop of, of the yeah. wild stars. Um, Tom, these, these, I know this is a football podcast. I know we cover the Vikings, but we have kind of a, a pulse on all the sports around Minnesota. Uh, these 850 puck drops are just brutal, and and it the 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 Timberwolves tip off was 9:30 local. Like it, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's insane. No, one of my friends was asking. He's like, "Why wouldn't you just adjust your sleep schedule?" And I was like, "Cause like there's the draft, and like you know what I mean. Like like it's not like I'm adjusting for one sport. I'd be kind of adjusting both. Although I guess they're both literally going at the same time or whatever within half an hour tonight. And then like you know like even with the twins, like they're relevant. So I was like. I have work in the morning and it sounds funny to say as like someone who works in sports, right? I mean, you guys, what, like probably were up until three, 4 a.m. with that game that ended at one, you know what I mean? Yeah, the, yeah. the, and the, it was, not, but I was like, yeah, I crashed after the first overtime. I could tell some of our other writers, they wouldn't admit it, but they were off slack around that time. I'm like, I get it guys. We all have to work. And this is, I get, they want like national exposure or whatever, but these times are ridiculous. And if you follow anything other than Vikings, you're probably going to walk into that draft a little sleepy just because if any of these teams advance or whatever, um, we're going to be a little sleep, sleep ride. So true. It's so true. Like it, it does bleed into like other, other areas of life. Not for like, just not for me. Like, I don't, I'm not going to complain about it too much because I'm there for free, not paying like, but like yeah. being a fan, you pay hundreds of dollars game starts at nine o'clock and it went until like 1 30 in the morning like i think i think it, it was actually over at 1 a.m central um, yeah yeah and that screws up your whole week like you're right like if they if there's another overtime game tonight god forbid um people might be tired for the next week trying to trying to follow other minnesota sports in the market um yeah had to get that off my chest because it has been bothering me for the last couple of days uh trying to catch up on sleep already got a Starbucks halfway, halfway yeah, done. Yeah. So, but Tom, the Vikings, uh, it feels like us on this podcast are kind of trying to run out the clock before, uh, you know, the NFL draft there's at this point in the NFL off season, unless you're the Packers or the jets trying to trade for Aaron Rodgers, or like I said, the Packers trying to trade offload Aaron Rodgers. There's not a ton to talk about right now. That there's uh, at this point, free agency is is pretty much done. Though the, the Vikings did sign a cornerback, Jawan Will uh, Johnson, you know, this past off or this past week. Um, but you look at just kind of the league as a whole. Um, everyone around the league is just trying to get to the draft. So we're the same way. Something with the Vikings, though, this week they did have OTAs. They they, they opened that up. Um, you know, there's it's voluntary workouts going on at TCO Performance. And a um, handful of guys are there. handful of guys talked in the past couple of days. Most interesting guy to me that, that, that took the podium, Harrison Smith. Um, obviously the veteran now. Um, 
I think he's the oldest safety in the league with McCourty retiring. Um, and he flat out said, like, to reporters in Egan, yes, I thought about leaving this offseason. Um, I think all of us kind of saw that. Uh, we kind of can, can read between the lines. Like, uh, yeah, of course he probably did. Um, they asked him to take kind of a significant pay cut, and this is late in his career, and was he willing to do that? He said yes. He, he, he did think about leaving. But, Tom, I think you've kind of alluded to this a couple of times in, you know, the past month or two, you know, since Harrison's taken the pay cut, what Brian Flores can, can do with him uh, and how much of a weapon Harrison Smith, even at his age, can be in, you know, a, a, at least in the abstract in a Brian Flores defense. And that's what he said too. Harrison Smith said, the biggest reason I came back is working with Brian Flores. And I thought just hearing that out loud, um, it kind of makes you think like, how much does Harrison have in the tank? And and how much do you think Brian Flores can unlock him? Um, Because I don't think Harrison Smith is coming back unless he thinks he can have a really productive season with with Brian Flores using him all over the field. Yeah, I mean, you know, it wouldn't be surprising going from one regime to another if players leave. We've already seen guys guys mm-hmm. go, but you know, Harrison Smith was signed late um, by Spielman, and that was again. We'll we'll learn with Quasi how how loyal he'll be to older players. Harrison Smith does seem ageless. He's like thirty four, although I feel mm-hmm. like last season he was like, yeah, that's right, I'm in my thirties, and he's thirty three. You know, it's not it's not like um, he had just turned thirty or something. So. Um, this this will happen where right where you know like during the competitive rebuild they kind of ran it back last year i think we're going to start seeing and we already have started seeing kind of this this turnover to their own guys and their own systems and methods having said that i think most teams would want harrison smith you just do have to reduce the number as you get into this kind of cap hell that they're in mm-hmm. um and i think this is why hiring floors was so important. You're going to go, you know, you're going from like Mike Zimmer, who most defensive players are going to like, right. We know the attention with cousins. We know that like Justin Jefferson didn't really like talk to him in his office or whatever. Um, We understand what Mike Zimmer prioritized, but you know, even I think of like Patrick Peterson who did opt to leave um, that Packers game when it was clear Zimmer was gone. He was doing like one last plea, right. This is 21 to be like, Ah, you know whatever and you know even some of these guys peterson included were donatel guys that they they believed in him and and even as the public started to see the defense fail and turn on donatel and that defense fell apart it did seem like guys were on board with him fangio connection who he is as a person his knowledge of defense whatever it is and so you had to get something like this right and i think this is why i keep prioritizing like they almost have to draft because for you know defensively a because you have to fix the defense but b because flores is here um and i think that's why it's such a huge hire for o'connell and granted they have a long-standing relationship or whatever to grab and uh, a guy who was a head coach and maybe could have been a head coach this year kind of have the security to be like yeah we'll put him on the staff and there won't be any issue um what that allows you to do is obviously train up these guys and help improve the defense, but also retain guys like Harrison Smith, because, you know, if they, if they had gone with the second or third choice, he may have been like, guys, I'm not taking a pay cut. Like I'll go somewhere else. Someone else will value me. It's going to be one of those weird things. It'll be like feeling or whatever, where, or even Kendrick's to some extent where it's like, Oh yeah. Kendrick's was with the chargers at the end or Thielen was with the Panthers. Like, yeah. I don't know where Harrison Smith would have gone, but you know, like he'd be like, yeah, that's right. He was with the Vikings mm-hmm. forever. So at least in his case, and at least in this case specifically, they can retain this guy who I think is really important to the franchise as a whole in the defense uh, next year. Yeah. And I, I think it's twofold. I think um, 
real quick before I, I forget. It's Jawan Williams, not Jawan Johnson. Jawan Johnson okay. is the tight end for the Saints that I used a couple of times in fantasy football last year. <laughs> Jawan Williams is the former second-round pick of the New England Patriots, who's like 6'4", 220. Um, I have friends who, who cover the Patriots, and they say, this guy, we're not sure if he's good, but he's actually like super fun to talk to. So excited to cover him. <laughs> Um, and six four two twenty. Like I think you could probably get something out of him. And in Flores, like maybe can just use that body type. And um, I'm, I'm always quick to, or I don't want to write guys off too quickly. So I'm not it's, willing to say Joan Williams is a bust. Um, we know nothing about him. It's. I mean, my my gut instinct is always the Patriots always move on a year early right yeah. and that they're always ahead and like but i don't think it's universal well, that bill's lost his fastball well i mean i think there's a little bit of that he certainly yeah. has in the draft although that wouldn't bode well for this particular situation because <laughs> it might mean they just overdrafted him but like i also think i mean a that coaching staff has been messed up you know yeah. what i mean so like so like who knows who's really coaching him and stuff it might be bill's kid or whatever so you know there's there's some of that but i think i don't think it's universal that guys have left the patriots and just are toast yeah. um and i think if anything you know like we think of flores with miami because of the lawsuit we think of pittsburgh because that's his most recent stop like he is mostly a new england guy through and through and because like new england hasn't changed that much he may see the same things right you know he may have been if he was there like banging on the table saying go get this guy yeah. so I, I mean, this is one of the things like we're learning about the Vikings in real time, right? And it's like, how does O'Connell, even O'Connell going from kind of McVay to, to read this year in terms of yeah. um, seeing the offense or whatever, like we're learning as they kind of learn what they're, what they're going to do. But if they can be, take some Patriots methods, right? And imply them, apply them differently with this kind of younger coaching staff. I mean, you're starting to get the best of multiple worlds if they implement it correctly, right? There's there's some Rams DNA, obviously. Um, it seems like they're tapping in, although I don't know how many people from the staff are kind of read guys, but tapping into kind of Reed's genius or his his football strategies. I mean, the other thing you should tap into is, is how do you – uh, take the things that they know from the Patriots. And we talk about how like O'Connell took notes, right? Even though like literally drafted as a third rounder, Belichick was kind of done with him pretty soon, but maintained a relationship. And also importantly, didn't do the McVay thing where McVay was kind of deferential to Belichick in that Super Bowl. We saw O'Connell on a short week go right after Belichick, um, you know, and win that game. So this team should be pulling from multiple. I don't think they should be like the Rams North. I don't know if that works. The Rams took like a absurd risk and we we're seeing the negative side of that. Right. And everyone goes, well, they won the Super Bowl. It wasn't like guaranteed that they were going to do that. Right. And so like, I think the Rams were a pretty unique situation. I think you have to take the best of that, but you have to, you know, supplement with other things. And if this guy ends up working out, like a, you need the corner, but B you start seeing like, maybe they have some of this, Patriots methodology right um and uh I'm glad he hasn't lost that even though like to me it seems like such a tenuous connection but to O'Connell I think it's really important yeah and just like a, a very low risk move um, but I wanted to get the name right Jawan Williams um Jawan Johnson pretty good tight end for fantasy football um going back to Harrison Smith though Tom, like I, I think you like yeah like the relationship you know, or, or the reputation of Brian Flores matters in, in, in that decision to kind of re-sign here for Harrison Smith. Um, no doubt about it. But I also think, like, if you're Brian Flores now, um, having a guy like Harrison Smith in that room is going to help you. Um, it's not just, like, 
Brian Flores is going to help Harrison Smith, um, you know, go out, you know, off sailing in the sunset. I, I think Harrison Smith is in turn going to help Brian Flores this year have a defense that is probably better than the second worst in the league. Um, I, I think there is still something. And I think when you, you look at what Donatel did last year with Harrison Smith, um, you almost took him away yourself without having the other team have to do anything. Like this is a guy who roves. This is a guy who at all points of his career has kind of operated on instinct and, been someone you can play at safety one one snap and play, you know move down and play at linebacker and you know a lot of times last year he was just the deep man in the middle of the field and that's not using Harrison Smith's strengths to his advantage so while you know me and you are on the same page like and, and Harrison Smith obviously said he's not coming back if Flores isn't the guy and, and Harrison probably feels like he's going to get the most out of him um, I think Brian Flores knows like if we didn't bring back Harrison Smith, like, you know, no disrespect to Cam Bynum. I think he's a great player. Um, no disrespect to Lewisine. We'll talk about him in a little bit. Um, but you need a guy like Harrison Smith in, in that room um, on that defensive side of the ball. Um, so I think it, it, it really is kind of like a, a symbiotic relationship here where both guys needed each other. And um, I'm excited to see kind of how that marriage works out. Um, it seems like, like you said, a few minutes ago, like Harrison Smith got along with Mike Zimmer. Um, I think largely because he's a defensive guy, but also because he's, he's a, he's a tough coach. Harrison yeah. is an old school guy who likes to be coached hard. Um, Brian Flores coaches hard. So I think they're going to get along. Um, and then it was interesting to kind of hear Harrison kind of put it all on the table this week um, and, and just say like, yeah, I was almost gone, but, but Flores kept me here. So another guy who talked, Tom Lewis seen, um, just mentioned him. Uh, it, it's really hard to glean what to expect out of this guy um, because what is it? April. And in, in yeah. he broke his leg, snapped yeah. it in half in London. Um, yeah. One of the grossest injuries you see. Um, it, it's one of those that, that doesn't, that shouldn't be allowed to be shown on Twitter. Um, but I remember yeah. kind of scrolling it. Um, someone posted it and you see it and you're like, Oh, I wish I never saw that. Um, he talked this week too, clearly still in the rehab process, but he's working out, you know, daily now at TCO performance center, which kind of seems crazy to think like looking at that injury and knowing what we know about those compound fractures and, and, and what can happen you know, from that. Um, the fact that he's already back on a football field, working out hard um, is good. Um, if you listen to his press conference, like it's just hard not to root for the kid. He was talking about what got him through, you know, the last six months, probably the hardest six months of his life. And he said, he just watched a bunch of anime. Like he, he really got into Naruto. Like he watched nine seasons of that. Like it, this guy is, is himself, no matter what, he's always been just kind of like not afraid to be himself. Um, but I, I think this is an injury that if he uses it in the right way, and if he's able to kind of get back to the player, you know, the reason they, the wild or the, the, wild, the Vikings drafted him, is because he flies around the football field with instinct. If he's able to kind of do that, get back to that mentality and, and that level of play, maybe this is something that can help him, um, you know, kind of get to the next step in his career. Um, because he's already, you know, knock on wood, 
uh, gone through like the hardest hardship he's going to at, at any point in his NFL career. So I'm excited to see what Lewis seen kind of brings to the table, but it was, it was good to hear from him this week and see where he's at. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm trying to think, cause I, I do believe they drafted him first round, uh, 32nd overall, like yeah. at the time of the draft, given that he was coming from the, uh, the Georgia defense, given just kind of his profile, like I remember yeah. guys writing about him and that like this guy's quick, hard hitting. I mean, I don't think anyone's ever going to be Harrison Smith. Like, you know what I mean? In terms of you, you talked about the versatility and right. Donatello misusing him. But like, I think the, uh, um, you know, when maximized, he's such a unique player. But I think seen profiles as someone who like fans could get excited about. And, um, you know, there's a learning curve even coming from a big uh, program like Georgia, where he's basically playing with pros, but against pros. And like, um, to have that cut short, not only like when it did in the season, we're talking back obviously in October, which feels like a long time ago. Cause it was, but like that it happened in London too. I mean, I understand like, it's not, that's a tough injury if it happens at us bank stadium or, mm-hmm. you know, it happens in Chicago or something, but like it's, he's tended to in a foreign country and pretty far removed from like the team, the facility, you know what I mean? All that stuff. Like it's a, it's a major, major injury. And like, um, I kind of wondered like if this would be different, not, you know, there are more, unfortunately more devastating injuries, obviously in football, but like, this is a big one, no matter where it happens also to be kind of removed from the team and the coaches and all that stuff. I understand there's FaceTime and all that, but I, I just didn't know how this would affect him. And I was hoping that this wouldn't kind of stunt what seemed like a really interesting career this player could have, that he should be a little more ready because of the competition he played because he's a first round pick because he probably could make up with mental mistakes just with his speed. I, I think of like Asamoah, like I, I think he's a smart player and stuff, but like Asamoah also just gets to players quicker than other guys do. So he has more leeway to make mistakes. And I, I thought kind of scene would be a little like that too. So um, I'm glad he's in good spirits. I'm glad he can be himself. Um, I also think he could become a really, really popular player because like mm-hmm. they're going to need someone like him, you know, um and i think this is again you go to flores for like an older player it retains them right it's not harrison smith may learn something but i think it's more like it brings credibility and smith goes okay i'll take the cut to get under the the cap and hopefully he'll be maximized a little bit right you don't want him to go out the way donatel used him you don't want him to go out kind of i assume harrison smith may go out like with something a little bit in the tank and he just doesn't want to be remembered as a guy who was like wandering around back there who wasn't what he once was um so i'm hoping like this kind of helps smith like career i think in, in terms of scene this is just like setting a foundation for what he knows about football and again not to say donatel doesn't know anything about defense he could have taught him something but like Flores could assuming scene like can play and is healthy and whatever. Like I can't think anyone better, right. To like help a young player out like that. And I just hope that he like, he can get back on the trajectory. I thought he would be on given he was a first round pick from that defense and given how skilled he is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he has two things working for him. A, it seems like the medical recovery has gone well. And we talk about how the Vikings, all teams have doctors and smart people working on these players, but the Vikings have like focused so much on player wellness and, you know, like having them eval, right. For a guy like this, it's super important that like they may pick up on something early where it's like, yeah, he's seeing something from, from this prior injury, right. Because of what he filled out or whatever, but that they have all these kind of advanced doctors and stuff. So hopefully on the medical side, he's back to kind of where he should be. And then from the mental side, like my guess is he'll just pick up stuff from Flores. He wouldn't otherwise. And I hopefully Flores is to what, to seeing what, Zimmer was to to Harrison Smith early on. I mean, that's kind of the ideal situation. 
yeah, there, there is some similarities, and I say similarities loosely because Harrison's such a special player. But you're right with the way they fly around the field, um, the way seen did a little bit of everything in college. Um, I, I think another thing you kind of mentioned, which is uh, I want to dive a little bit deeper into, is like you look at what that injury was and how early it happened in his career, where it happened, getting stuck in London, having to be, you know, air ambulanced back across, you know, across the pond, um, then being away from the team. Like, not only can that break you, like, physically, like, it can break you mentally. And it's nice to see, like, the player that we, at least the player we saw on the surface in, in, in the limited interactions we had with Lewisine in his rookie year, um, you know, the bubbly rookie, um, the guy who was, you know, kind of always smiling around TCO Performance Center. Like, yeah, I'm sure there's been hard days in the last six, eight months, but the fact that he was still kind of that guy that that we saw pre-injury, you know, earlier this week, you know, in the press conference, I, I think that's a big thing too. Like he didn't lose himself. Like this injury didn't like harden him to to the fact where he's now, you know goes on the football field and just, just kind of trudging around because of this, this incredible hardship he's had to go through. He still seems like that, that happy go lucky kid. That's just happy to be around the, you know, the, the, the facility. I think that can go a long way too. It, it, it's tough when you see an injury kind of just take away a guy's like personality, take away their soul. And he, he's so young that if that were to happen, it would, it would be unfortunate. Luckily it doesn't look like it has. So. I, I think it's worth noting. Like, I saw him around last year. You know what I mean? It wasn't like he was fully removed from the team oh. or whatever. I mean, I do think part of it is like these guys always talk about how there's a hundred percent injury and not a hundred percent of the players have fortunately have a devastating injury that young in their career or at any point mm-hmm. like scene did, but it did like, he seemed like a quieter guy, but like also he was young a rookie and injured. You know what I mean? Like, um, but like it, at least he was around the players. I mean, obviously it was, you know, we're talking specifically right around the injury when he was being healed or whatever, that he was in a foreign country. And I don't know at what point, like, I, I got to imagine you're pretty careful with a, a player, or any person who suffers an injury like that, moved him back across. Right. But like, um, but it did seem like late in the season, it almost like part of me was like, is he like coming back or whatever? Right. Cause he was, he just like dressed like all the players and he felt like he was in the mix. So I do think that helps. I mean, my guess is these guys kind of help each other through rehab and all this stuff because it's as much physical as it is mental. And um, my hope is again, he kind of just feels like one of the guys gets good coaching and all of a sudden get, people go, yeah, this is why they pulled the trigger on a, a guy like this in the first round. For sure. So I'm going to kind of throw one at you from left field. Um, yeah, let's do this. 51 minutes ago, Ian Rappaport tweeted sources. The 49ers have received inquiries on several teams looking into the potential trade for former number three pick Trey Lance. Mm-hmm. Conversations have resulted in San Francisco fielding calls, not making them with teams aware that Brock Purdy is likely the future starter in San Francisco. Does Trey Lance do anything for you? I mean, I think it's what the expectations are and they're almost impossible to contain here. Like I think back to the joint practices they had right and in part like this is the storyline thing i was kind of hoping the vikings would beat the giants so that you had this like full circle thing where it's like they're playing them in the playoffs and these guys are familiar and it was also crazy to see just in like casual conversation like kyle shanahan and and kevin o'connell like exchanging notes you're like that's got to be a crazy football conversation right brain is both brains are just going high high yeah it's just boring right and like i think 
it was smart on the Vikings behalf too, because it put them in front of a defense, uh, you know, smash mouth. And like this, San Francisco is also such a different team in modern and the modern NFL. It's like this run. I mean, I guess it's modern in the sense that like they don't rely on one running back, but it's, it's, you know, running heavy and it's, it's a smash mouth football that arguably maybe injures some of their defensive players, but it feels kind of like this throwback in a way, just modernized enough. And, and like, um, I don't, I understand why they're thinking about moving on from Lance. This is one of the reminders where I know people are like, screw the defense, trade up for Anthony Richardson. It's like, if you do that and you're wrong, like there's consequences. And even smart teams like the Niners may have chosen the wrong guy here or whatever. Having said that, like part of me goes, could this dynamic athlete who obviously has Minnesota roots come back here, the change of sceneries, right? Like you could see the positive, right? Comes home, bounces back. Yeah successor to cousins it just that can't be the expectation i think the expectation is like this is kind of a wild card move and i think that's super dangerous when he's going to be on their spotlight he will be anywhere um but like in minnesota the guy from marshall the fact that a lot of the fan base or whatever half of it whatever it is is ready to move on from cousins and that like some people are just gonna have unrealistic expectations given where he went to college and how many of those fans are here and stuff like it's that's something the Vikings not only have to evaluate the player, right. But after evaluate the situation correctly, right. That like, who is this guy and would he thrive coming home, change the scenery, embrace the spotlight. And then like you almost, it's in a gray area, right. We don't know he's going to pan out, but like, what are those odds? And, and are we increasing them by bringing him into Minnesota? If you're not, I think you allow some other team. I do think Lance could go somewhere else bounce back i think as much as like the niners are a good place to go for a young player given their infrastructure it's also a lot of pressure the niners expect to win they had a lot of talent or whatever yeah and um and so i just yeah i mean i I think it's a um i think you'd have to be convinced that bringing him home is the right idea and you almost have to think of the situation first and the player second because it does it does seem like as much as he doesn't have a lot of college experience and man that's a rough way to start your career like he's gifted i mean even just seeing him in those practices right just kind of the raw athleticism and like the few moments he's had in the nfl you're like i think he has something but i think it's whether like it's one thing to draft a player and kind of, you know what i mean that it all starts here or it's another thing to bring in a star of late or something like that like imagine a reverse dealing right if Thielen had started his career with the panthers like you know what i mean like a guy like that's not going to be overwhelmed coming back home to minnesota but like I, to me, it just, you have to know the makeup of that guy. And part of me goes, man, it could be the coolest thing ever. Part of me goes, it's just hard when you're like, dude, the most likely outcome might be like, this was just a gamble and and, yeah. and he might succeed somewhere else. I have like an irrational like for Trey Lance mm-hmm. because of, I think, I think it's cool that he came kind of out of nowhere from Marshall, goes to NDSU, works his way into the mix and is the number three overall pick. Um, kind of have an affinity to like Minnesota players leaving Minnesota and, and, and excelling elsewhere. So I, I will say that to get that out of the way first, because what I'm about to say is go, is going to kind of like completely throw what I just said out the window. But think about this. Like if you didn't know who this player was, like the Vikings would not want to be tra- The Vikings fans would not want to trade for Trey Lance if he wasn't from Minnesota. Like, yeah. Be like, well, why would we trade for a guy who's played like if you go back to college, even with the COVID year, he's played like six games in like the last like five years. Yeah, like it's crazy the the the, the amount of times he's been on the football field. It, it's very very few. Um, add in the fact that he can't stay on the field right now, um, and it 
Like that sucks. It, it's unfortunate. But like the only reason that anytime Trey Lance fodder comes up that people want to trade for him is because he's from Minnesota. And then Minnesotans love Minnesotans. And I'm victim of that too. And I see that Rappaport tweet this morning. I'm like, oh man, he'd be cool in a Vikings jersey. Like what could he do in Minnesota? It, it kind of just seems like a, like a fairy tale thing that happens in movies and books and stuff that, that isn't really a realistic option um, in Minnesota. Like I, I get the whole, maybe you can, you know, take one man's trash and turn it into your treasure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what we've talked about endlessly on this podcast is how Quasi operates very much under the analytical approach of like basically percent chance this guy hits percent chance this guy busts. Yeah. I think there's too much variance there with, with Trey Lance. And and I think he's going to say, look, we hope this kid's great. We hope he succeeds. Um, We can't take the risk. And, and to your point about Minnesotans too, like you see it a lot in hockey, like people from Minnesota will, go have a career elsewhere, then they'll either come back here um, for, for games or, you know, they'll come back here via trade. Some guys cannot handle that. Some guys, when, when they're back home, there's too many people. There's, you know, now yeah. you're, you're having to go back home for dinner every, every couple of days, rather than just being, you know, disconnected in another city. You have friends from, you know, high school, college, asking for tickets every other night. Like you have just a large support system that while it's good can also be a distraction. Um, you see that a lot in hockey with Minnesota kids. Like, I, I don't know what that would be like for Trey here. Um, who's trying to kind of dig in, get himself back on track is being home with all those other distractions that come along with it. A good thing. I don't know. I, I mean, one way to think of it again, that guy has to use non- vikings examples but like i think of like mauer early career mm-hmm. how people viewed him and mauer late career and i always go and football fans will be familiar with this i'm like what well, the concussion is what affected the late career right but like think of the scrutiny he was under and granted that was a big contract but like you know i'm I'm trying to think of like other examples even like feeling you know like kind of late last year there were definitely some people that are just like kind of out right and you think of like you can't get a more likable story. Like it's, it's he literally walked on and, and was such a star, especially in 17 or whatever to put that on a play. At least Maurer was like halfway through his career. Yeah. And at least in Thielen's case, like, you know what I mean? He had already done a lot of good things or whatever, like to put that on a guy who you mentioned like six games or whatever. And I think, I think there's something like he played like 17 in college or something. I'm trying to think. Cause it was like a full, it might be less than that because it was like a full season and then he had like the COVID year or whatever. Um, but just with like such little sample size, given it wasn't like um, he didn't come from like an SEC program where he started for two years or something like that. And and given he's only played limited games in the NFL, like it's kind of like waking up on the wrong side of the bed. Right? You know what I mean? You just don't have like the full day in front of you. You're like, well, a lot of things went well and it's a bummer what happened at 7 p.m. or whatever. This is, you know, it's just so early in his career. And I, I think... Again, I think like you, Quasi's got to look at the percentages and they have to talk to the scouts about and, you know, evaluation of him as a player. Although I think most scouts from just a raw talent perspective would be like it's worth a gamble. But um, I think the final thing is you have to have an effective method, just like when they're drafting players and doing backgrounds and stuff. 
who's the right person to tell you, Hey, this guy will thrive here. He actually just, it's going to, he's going to be home whatever. Or it's the same thing because like players have said this, it's kind of funny. They call home and talk to their parents and like their dad goes, dude, what is going on with the Vikings? Right. You know what I mean? Cause they're fans yeah. too. So, so I think, you know, like the, you know, this is one of those things, like as they build this organizational culture and you talk about all these A's that they received, like, if they're going to maintain that, right. Like they've kind of hit the, hit the apex, right. If they're going to maintain that part of this is just having these contacts, the right person to call in the right moment to be like, what is this guy all about? And that's not a knock on Trey Lance. I think it'd be hard for most players, most players. I think even like Dan Marino talked about, like if he had been a Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback, like for a guy, I think he grew up there and went to Pitt, like that wouldn't have been probably the best situation for him to go to Miami, get away from, you know, kind of the, the stuff back home. He really thrived. That's Dan Marino. You know what I mean? So like, I think, I think, you know, you have to have like, uh, you just have to evaluate him. And as much as I want that to be the case, there's just no part of me that can solidify in my head. Well, yeah, he's for sure the succession plan. I think it's more like, I think if I have a team where I'm like, I don't know what the direction is and we got a new regime, that's like the perfect situation of like, just gamble on it. Because as much as like the Panthers get a ton of crap for like, well, what are you doing with Baker and with uh, Sam Darnold and stuff? I actually don't think that was wrong. It just resulted in like, those guys didn't work out. So we have to get the number one pick. It's just not as devastating because as as far as I know, Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold didn't come from that area and weren't scrutinized as a guy coming home or whatever. And you just don't want to set up a situation where there's just incredibly unrealistic expectations and there will be for this player. No doubt about it. If the Vikings traded for Trey Lance today, um, it would be a firestorm. People would be, oh, he's going to be the game one starter, um, trade Kirk Cousins. Everything. This would be too much. Um, I say that in the same breath. I'll also say if they traded for Trey Lance, I'd be extremely excited. It would be really Me too. Fun. Yeah. yeah. A, a fun thing to cover um, and a fun thing to follow along with. It's, I mean, you probably, you probably noticed it. There were like busfuls of people. Like, yes. I mean, Marshall is not a massive, massive town. Like there were busfuls of people and granted these could be NDSU fans or whatever, but like, it's not a small thing. This is not like something like kind of theoretical, right? The thing is we've seen it at in Egan. Right. Yes. And so um, I'm with you. I think I'd be super excited. I would love the storyline. I'm sure he's a really cool guy, but like, Dude, that pressure, because the problem is it can start great and end bad, right? And stuff like yeah. that, or it could end bad, yeah. or it could start bad even if he ends up being a good player. So, yeah, no this is not a small thing. Yeah. Um, Tom, before we wrap up, I just want to quickly mention um, Vikings equipment manager, Dennis Ryan, over yeah. 47 years. Someone you just saw him always around on the facility, um, no matter if you've covered the team for one year or if you cover the team for 50 years. Um, you always saw that guy around. Um, what a career. I think he's only the second equipment manager in, in Vikings history, so they're now looking for the third. Um, and wanted to give him a shout-out before we kind of wrapped up today's episode. 47 years, he's finally retiring. Um, congrats, Dennis Ryan, on a great career. Kid from St. Paul. So us over at the Pioneer Press. Yeah. You know, we like guys like that. So um, big story in the Pioneer Press today about Dennis Ryan, um, and he deserves the pub. You know, he's done a great job for Damn near 50 years. It's it's insane to think about, um, you know, he's a guy who for 50 years has been every guy the Vikings have have funneled through when you're back at the Met, um, Winter Park, now we're in Egan, U.S. Bank Stadium. He's seen it all. Um, he hasn't seen a Super Bowl. <laughs> That's the only thing I think he wishes he got. But what a career that guy had. There's some some of these amazing stories, right? And it's like you forget how big a football organization is. 
Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, like the fact that he's local and it's 47 years is like, I mean, nearly. I'm trying to think. Like, no, no, it's no, over 10 years before I was born. Um, you know what I mean? Like, that's insane how long he was with that. And I think that's uh, as much as the Vikings are doing good things currently. I think it's also kind of just tells you what the organization is. It, it'd be great if they had a Super Bowl. There are more winning organizations. I'm not going to make them out to be the Steelers, or the Patriots, or whatever. But I think, in general, it tells you like you don't have a guy that long, right? If it's you know if they don't they aren't doing something right. So like yeah, I think it's just a super cool story and uh, yeah, kind of feels very like Minnesota, very Vikings that like they had a guy who's local who who ended up working for them that long. Yeah. So fun thing. Congrats, Dennis Ryan, on a great career. All right, that's all we got for this week's episode of Inside Purple and Gold. Uh, next week, tune in. It'll be a good one. We're going to have a draft guest. Um, won't name the name yet because don't want to put too much pressure on the guy, but um, it'll be a good one. He knows way more about the prospect pool than, than me and Tom do, so you won't see us fumbling around with, is this guy good? I don't know. Is this guy good? I don't know. Like, this guy knows what he's talking about, and we will talk about it. You know, all the prospects that, that are on the table um, ahead of next Thursday's draft. So thanks for stopping by today. Um, take a nap, I guess. It's Wednesday, and there's a, a late hockey game, late football, or late basketball game on too tonight um, with the Wild and the Timberwolves, respectfully. So thanks for uh, listening this morning. For Tom Fryer, I'm Dane Mizutani. We will be back next week. Twenty Four Hundred Sports is an Odyssey company.